You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. It's 2022. Can you believe that it's 2022? You know, am I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I was like, am I the only one that thinks this? But has these last two years been the shortest two years and the longest two years that you've ever experienced? Amen? Like, how is that possible that it could feel like it's been so long, but then it's been so short. One of the great things that I love about when we get into a brand new year and all the years that, that I would, that I, that I pastored a church, uh, we would always come up with a theme or an idea for the year that it felt like God was drawing us uh, to do for the year, whether, what word that might be. But one of the amazing things about a brand new year is that God gives you and I a brand new opportunity to change everything about our lives. Amen? I mean, God is a God of redemption. He is a God of change. He is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. And no matter where you've been in your life this uh, last year, the last couple of years, whatever's gone on you, I want you to know that as we enter into 2022, that God has new, incredible things in store for you, amen? And so before I get into the word of God, I just wanted to take an opportunity to release some things in this house. Is that all right uh, this morning? And so I just want you to lift your hands right now to God. And Father, uh, Lord, I bless this congregation. I bless Bridges Nashville this morning. And Lord, as Pastor Curtis even talked about before, Lord, I pray and I believe for a releasing of new things in people's lives. Lord, you say that we are a new creation, that we are made new. And so, Father, today, release dreams and visions in this house. Lord, release new opportunities, new jobs, new positions. Father, we release healing, and uh, Lord, we release gifts into this house. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. Well, thank you, Pastor Curtis, for uh, kind of uh, uh, setting the stage for this uh, series. And I, I counted an honor when he asked me to preach the first uh, this first Sunday gathering because it is the first Sunday or the first time we're together for the new year, and it kind of sets a tone for uh, the new year. And I appreciate that so much. And in case you don't know who I am, I am Pastor David. I am the staff pastor here at Bridges Nashville. My wife and I pastored a church in Northeast Indiana for over 16 years before we moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, eight years ago, I can't even believe that we have already been here in Nashville for 18 years, or 18 years, eight years, hallelujah. Sometimes it feels like it's been 18 years. Praise the Lord. But I love the the verse, kind of our, our theme verse for this entire series is fight the good fight. Uh, in the NIV, it says uh, that you may fight the battle well. And so as you can see, the uh, the graphics that we had are kind of a, uh, a knight fighting a dragon. And so I asked if we could get a sword so we could begin this thing right. And so hold, let me uh, pull this sword out of its sheath, all right? Hold on a second. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Hallelujah. So... 
fight the battle well. Now, to fight the battle well, and I promise I will, uh, I need a volunteer to come up to the stage. No. (laughs) No. To fight the battle well, you need a weapon to do so. And in the New Testament, we see often when there's a a talk about weapon, it is something that is on, usually on a Roman soldier. We talk about swords, and Paul even says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so this is why I'm holding this awesome sword today. Now, there's actually uh, three parts, main parts, to a sword. There is the handle, and on the handle there is something called the pommel. The pommel is a weight that helps counterbalance the weight of the blade. The heavier the blade, the heavier the pommel. The lighter the blade, the lighter the pommel. And then you have the guard. The gu- of course, the handle is what you hold for the weapon with. The guard protects your hand when you are in battle. And then the main part of the sword is the blade. It is the essential part. It is the part that you use to inflict, uh, uh, you know, wounds or to kill, to, to kill your, uh, whoever you're fighting against. So this is something, if you're going into a battle, then you need to have a weapon that lets you fight the battle. And so Timothy, First Timothy, Paul opens with three things. I want you, if you're writing down this morning, here's three things that uh, Paul shows you and I that we can use as weapon or tools to fight the battle well. And that is this, we need to know our calling, We need to know our identity, and we need to know our beliefs, all right? So we need to know our calling, beliefs, and identity. And here's the great thing. The sword is a great, so from now on, think about this. So it is our calling, the blade. It is our beliefs, the guard. And it is our identity, the handle, what we hold the sword with. So turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 and 2 initially, and then we're going to get into this, all right? And so turn your attention to the screen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in this, these first two verses, Paul begins to unwrap that first thing that you and I need if we're going to fight the battle well, and that is our calling. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of, uh, of God. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever heard the term, uh, I've heard the term, maybe you've heard this term, it's wait till the honeymoon is over. Have you heard that term? Now, that term or that phrase is used for people, by people all the time. And usually it is given to, it is told to someone, newlyweds who have just been married, maybe not even a year. People will look at them and say, oh, isn't that cute? They really love each other. They really want to be next to each other. Just wait till the honeymoon is over. I've heard people use this to uh, pastors. A pastor will come into a new church and they're, you know, they're in that, that, what they call that honeymoon stage where it's like, well, yeah, you can do no wrong because you just got here. And everybody's willing to allow you to make mistakes or to say things or do things. But wait till the honeymoon is over. It's used in many professions. It is meant to be a warning that the excitement and the wonder of something that is new will eventually 
kind of morph into some sort of reality. That at some point you will come to your senses and realize that it's not as fun as you thought it would be in the beginning. And I can remember uh, Michelle and I, when we were first married, uh, we heard that uh, phrase from several people, just wait till the honeymoon is over. And one time, uh, we went to a marriage retreat. And uh, so we were uh, pastoring our church in Indiana, and we went to this marriage retreat. And in one of the breakout sessions, they were uh, we were around a table with other couples, and they everybody was kind of introducing themselves, and they would say how long they had been married. Now, at the beginning of this, the host said, uh, and also we just want everybody to know that we have a newlywed couple here in this uh, in, in, the, in the marriage retreat. And so Michelle and I are sitting around this table with others, and people are like, oh, you know, I'm so-and-so, and we've been married for four years. Uh, we're so-and-so, and we've been married for six years. And then they looked at us, and they said, oh, you guys must be the newlyweds. And we, were, we, looked at, we kind of looked at each other, and we laughed, and we were like, well, we're Michelle and David, and we've been married for 12 years. And they were like, are you kidding us? They couldn't believe that we had been married so long, I guess because it seemed like we really liked each other, I guess, when we were sitting around there. Um, I don't know. But here, I want to tell you this, though. Uh, 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 you know, they may have been shocked, but I want to tell you that uh, here, after 35 years of marriage, come on, give it up. 35 years, uh, I'm glad that the honeymoon is over because reality is way better than honeymoon ever was. The initial part where it's like, oh, no, reality is better. It's always better with you, baby. I love it. Oh, come on. Reality. (laughs) All right. And so Paul opens here at the beginning of 1 Timothy when he says, you know, uh, that I am apostle uh, uh, from the command of God. He kind of puts this whole honeymoon uh, phrase to uh, bed. He, in kind of uh, wrestling lingo, Paul's coming from the top of the ropes with a power driver to this fallacy of the, the honeymoon phase. He's saying that as long as I've been doing this, look, I've been planning churches, I've been developing leaders, I've been leading people to Christ, and it never gets old. Why? Because I know my calling. In other words, as long as you know your calling and you stay plugged into the source, it can be as fresh and as invigorating as the day you started. Now, all the years that I was pastoring, one of the questions that I was asked more than probably any other question was, uh, how can I know my purpose or my calling? I mean, I got asked that so many times through the years. So let me give you real quick three ways that you can know your calling, all right? Number one is this. Assess your talents and your skills. Assess your talents and your skills. What are the things you do well that God has placed in you? Look at Exodus chapter uh, 28, verse 3. He says this, tell all the skilled workers to whom I've given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as priest. But do you see what God says here? He says, to the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such 
matters. In other words, he was the one, God was the one that gave those workers the skill or the ability or the gift to be able to make these garments. And so what you and I need to do is we need to look at our life and we need to uh, see what 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 has God placed inside of me? What has God given to me? Uh, what is it that that comes naturally to you that you say, I know that God has put this in inside of me? Because whatever that is, whether it's uh, maybe you're really good with uh, children, maybe you uh, write really well, maybe you sing really well, you play an instrument really well, you're able to lead, whatever that is, you, uh, you need to look at your life and go, what is it that comes naturally? naturally to me that God has gifted me with that can help me with my calling. The second thing is this. Think of the works that have been been put in your path. What have you done up to this point? What are the things that God or, or people have done for you? For, for uh, What are the leaders? What has your pastor asked you to do? What have other leaders asked you to do? What has been presented in front of you to accomplish for the kingdom of God? You know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, now, now think about that, right? So it says that we are God's handiwork, and we were created to do good works, which were prepared in advance for us to do for, for the kingdom of God. Now, now what that means is that God knew you before you were born, and he began working out what the works or those things that, that would be placed in front of you before you ever entered into this world. And so those things that are placed in our path, the things that we do and have done, uh, they were created in advance. And so before you, and God did all of this for you. And so you and I need to understand that that those things are part of our calling. It, it kind of moves us to our calling. So what are my gifts and what are the works that, that have been placed in front of me up to this, per, this point? And then the third thing is this. Ask God what your calling is. Doesn't that make sense, right? Go to the one who actually does the calling. So go to God and ask him about your calling. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so go to God and ask God. So you've looked at your life. You've said, oh, these are the things that I do well. These are the gifts that God has given me. These are the works that have been placed in front of me. Okay, God, what is it? What is my purpose? What is my calling in life? And you and I, have we have to get this right. I'm telling you right now, you will butt your head up against the wall over and over again if you're trying to plug yourself into some place that God has not called you to be. I've seen it over and over again. One time, years ago, uh, we were, uh, Michelle and I, we led a group of pastors. I was a, a ministry presbyter for the Indiana District Disability God, and we had about 10 churches that we were over, over and we would meet on a regular basis. And there was a pastor there, and, and uh, his church was just not doing well. He struggled. He struggled for years, and it just 
didn't ever work. And uh, But before he actually was a lead pastor, he was a worship pastor, and he was phenomenal. He did an amazing job. And in one of those, and one of those times that we met together, there were uh, us and other pastors were like, hey, do you think maybe you've missed your calling? Maybe you should be only uh, like worship leading? That's what God gifted you. That's what you did. And so eventually, guess what happened? He eventually resigned the church, and he went back to worship leading. He was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And so when you and I try to do that and we're, not, we're outside of our calling, it's just not where God has us. There's no pastor uh, who or anyone else who could tell you what your calling is. Only God can tell you what your calling is. And so go to him and get that from him. And so that's how you and I can know what our calling is. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. This is what Paul wrote. He says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people to not to teach false doctrines doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. All right? And so uh, Paul says, here's, he's saying to Timothy, this is like, know your beliefs. So you got to know your calling, and then you got to know your beliefs. And so in this part, what Paul is doing with Timothy is he's reviewing uh, what the gospel really is. He's talking to him about, he's talking about blending doctrine and behavior. Can I tell you this? The gospel isn't just about a way of thinking. It's about a way of, 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 of living your life. And it always involves both doctrine and practice. And so Paul is telling Timothy how important it is to know what you believe. Look, if you're going to fight the fight, well, if you're going to fight the good fight, you got to know what you believe. Because every every day there's something new that comes down the pike and it's not from God. It is it is it is something that is that will try to get you off track. Now, how important is it you know your belief? Well, get this. Uh, a study done by the by the Pew Research Center showed this, that those who had a strong belief and understanding of their doctrine held those same beliefs seven years after the initial uh, research was done. So they went to a group of people, they asked them about their beliefs, and then seven years later they did the same thing. And those who had a great understanding of what they believed, their views did not change. Why? Because what we believe influences our actions. Our actions affect our results. And so that is why Paul, what he's, what he's sharing with Timothy, that there's false teachers. There are those that are out there are going to try to get you kind of off of, of, of the path that is opposed to the true gospel. And if you and I don't know what we believe, we will fall for every whim and every new wave that comes down the path that's against the true gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, 
And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved to the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So how can you know what you believe, right? How can you, how can you know that? Right, here you go. Here's three ways you can know it. Read the Bible along with a good commentary. So find a good commentary that breaks down the Scripture. And when, as you're reading through the Bible, also go into the commentary and see what those who have studied the Word, those who have gone before you, say what that, some of what that means. And so then you can get it into your heart. Find a mentor and let them, help, let them help disciple you. And here we go is a plug for our house churches, right? If you want to be discipled, if you want to grow in your faith in God, get into one of our house churches because there you'll be able to find people who have done it before you, have been gone before you, who, who have been further in their faith than you, and they can help disciple you and mentor you in your faith. And then when you have questions of faith, you have the ability to ask in-house church. You have the ability to ask those uh, around you, hey, like I've been going through some things, or I've been reading the scripture, and I don't really understand that. And somebody may have a great answer for you and help you understand what you believe. And then a third way to do that is read some Christian classics. Get, find out some, some, by some of the giants of the faith. Read something by Jonathan Edwards or Smith Wigglesworth or Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon. Find out what God spoke to them. Read some of their sermons because you would find in there obviously some really great uh, uh, truths and doctrine that they preached through the years. And so you can get it into your life. And so you and I need to know what we believe. And then the third thing that uh, Paul goes to, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 12 through 17. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God to be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So the third thing is you need to know your identity. you got to know your identity. Know who you are and where you came from. You see, Paul shared with Timothy how God showed him mercy even though he was the worst. He said, I was the worst of, of, of sinners. In other words, if Christ can change my life, this is what Paul's saying, if Christ can change me, then he can change anyone. And look, it's never 
about uh, glorifying your past sins. When you look at your life, and that's not what Paul is doing here. It's not about glorifying your past sins, but it's about understanding who you were, who I was before Christ came into my life, came into my situation. And then most importantly, it's about knowing who you were, but most importantly, it's about knowing who I am now. It's who I was, and it's who I am, and it's what Christ did in me. Look, this is, what, this is who I was before Christ, and this is who I am after Christ. So you got to know who you are are in Christ. And can I tell you, I think that we have an identity crisis in the world right now. People trying to figure out who they are. And the devil has come in and been like, hey, I got an idea. Maybe you weren't, you were meant to be this. Maybe you were meant to be that. And so we've got things all, the world is just all messed up right now. And Christ says, look, I know I have a purpose for you. I have a calling for you. And I know who you are because I'm the one who knitted you in your mother's womb. Amen? And so we got to go to the source. And we got to know, look, that's who I was, but this is who I am in Christ. So you know what the Word of God says about me? This is what the Word of God says about me, and this is what the Word of God says about you, that I am loved, that I am healed, I am strong, I am forgiven, I am adopted, I am whole, I am his, he is always with me, I am hopeful, I have purpose, I am victorious, I have direction, I have peace, I have joy, I am powerful, loved, and have a sound mind, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I have worth. Amen? That's what the Bible says about you and I. That's where you need to go and figure out. Don't let the world dictate to what your identity is. Let the Word of God tell you who you are in Christ. Amen? Know your identity. You know, the renowned artist, Paul Gustave Doré, lost his passport when he was traveling in Europe. And as he was traveling, he came to a border crossing, and he explained his predicament to the, uh, to the guards. He gave his names to the officials, and he thought, well, obviously, you've you, you got to know who, who I am. And he thought maybe they would let him pass. But the guard said, uh, you know what? A lot of people try to say there's some, somebody they're not, and that we don't, we're, we're just not going to let you pass. You claim to be one person, but you're not. So Dore insisted that he was who he was. And all right, the official said to him this, I want to give you a test. Prove that you are who you say you are. And if you pass it, I'll let you go through. So he handed him a pencil and a sheet of paper, and he told the artist to sketch several peasants who were standing nearby. Dore did it so quickly and skillfully that the guard was convinced he was indeed who he claimed him to be and let him pass. You see, Dore knew who he was. The guard didn't. The world didn't know who he was, but he knew what, who he was. And so he was able to, with his identity, show the world who he was. You see, you got to know your identity. If you know your calling, if you know your beliefs, if you know your identity, there's no battle in this world that you cannot overcome. There's no good fight that you can't 
win. Because with God, all things are impossible. Are possible. With God, I am an overcomer. I am more than victorious. And look, all you have to do is pick up your weapon so you can fight the, the battle well. You can fight the good fight. You got to know your calling. You got to know your beliefs. You got to know your identity. And if you do that, you will win. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.